Ish and Isha, men and women. Hmm. I'm a bit surprised to see you out in the Judean desert. Usually you villagers, towners, and city folk, you don't come out here. I wonder if you've come out to get in touch with your inner outdoor. Maybe come out for a short little camping trip to see all that God has created. It's curious. It's curious that you would be here. But welcome. Why don't you pull up a rock and warm yourself by the fire? It is a bit nippy. Don't you love the smell of olive wood going up in smoke? I could stay out here all night. And it's a good thing, because that's my job. What? Oh, you want to know about the night, that night, his night. You want to know about the angel and the hosts. You want to know about Joseph and Mary and the Messiah. And you want to know about us, Roe, shepherds. It just kind of rolls off the tongue, right? Shepherds. All right. You really don't want to know about us, shepherds. Let's be honest. I can see the anxiety on your face. You proper folk aren't used to being around Roe. You're not used to being around shepherds. Do you think I don't see you? Do you think I haven't noticed when I'm several hundred yards away, you mothers carrying your children and scampering them back in the house when I come by? You think I haven't seen you plug your nose when you come too close? I know the conversations you've never had, mothers. You've never said to your young daughters, when you come of age, we're praying that you might meet a nice shepherd boy. Hold out for a shepherd boy. We're looking forward someday to having shepherd grandbabies. That conversation never happened. Let's be honest. For many of you, you consider shepherds to be unsavory. You consider us to be a little lower, perhaps, than lepers, and maybe just a little higher than Samaritans, at the very bottom of the social scale. I'll be honest. Some of it is our fault. Some of it is because of how we've acted. We haven't exactly been mensch. Mensch is a word meaning above board. We've been gonif. We've been unsavory. I'll admit it. The truth of the matter is, we have a saying among us shepherds, I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. The saying goes something like this, what is thine <laughs> might as well be mine. We've been a bit handsy with some of your property. I'd love to tell you 
that I've never stolen. I'd love to tell you that I've never taken any of your stuff, but it might not be true. I remember when I was hungry, I stole a bag of grain. All right, it was two. I remember I was going through one of the farmer's fields. I hope it wasn't yours. My tunic was in rags. It was old. It was tattered. And, and out on the clothesline was a brand new one my size. God must have put it there. And so I left the old one and took the new. I remember going to the leather shop. I needed some new sandals. Couldn't afford it. Snuck a pair under my tunic and out the door I went. I'll admit we've been a bit handsy with your stuff. Because of that, you don't trust us in any way. You can imagine my horror when I learned that in the Talmud, the rabbis taught in a tractate entitled Sanhedrin, <laughs> they taught that the testimony of a shepherd is worse than no testimony at all. Better in a court of law to have no one verify your facts than to have a shepherd do so. You haven't exactly rolled out the carpet for us shepherds. I'll admit, we're not pretty to look at. We don't smell all that well. You try working with sheep 24-7, 365. See if you smell like a towner or a villager anymore. You probably don't even know what I do. Oh, you know I watch sheep, but you don't know much about them. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the pen. <laughs> Hardly. They're always wandering off. They're getting lost. They might think they're self-sufficient, but they need to be saved. They need to be rescued. They need a shepherd. Do you know what Isaiah said? It was the 53rd chapter, the 6th verse. He said, we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. We, we like sheep have gone astray. We need a shepherd. We need to be rescued. We need to save. We wander. We need the Savior. We need Jesus. It's not just me. It's also you. I know that you can't believe you're in the presence of a roe, a shepherd. It makes you uncomfortable. But if it makes you feel any better, <laughs> David, yeah, that one, King David, was a shepherd. So we's got potential, we shepherds. And we's be educated, we shepherds, as well. You don't think that. You don't act that way. In fact, the truth of the matter is you consider us unclean. I'm not talking about the fact that we don't get to bathe more than once a week or once a month. I'm talking about ceremonially unclean. You know what it's like to be a Jew. You got rabbis. 
They're everywhere. And those rabbis are always making rules. Rules, rules, more rules, regulations, stipulations. Oh, my. I'm not talking about the rules in Scripture. I'm not talking about God's inspired word. I'm talking about man-made rules. I'm talking about the oral traditions. Hundreds and thousands of rules made by the rabbis. If you ask me, their skull cap is a bit too tight. They need to lighten up. Well, they have all these rules about being clean, ceremonially clean. They got a whole section that tells you how to wash. Netalat yadayim, it's called. Who even knows what that means? They tell us that when we wake in the morning, we need to wash our hands to wash away the evil spirits. What on earth does that mean? What nonsense. And then they tell us that before every meal, we need to wash. Well, I work with sheep. That makes a little bit of sense, but they're not talking about cleansliness. They're talking about ceremonial cleansingness. And so they tell me how to wash. I need to wash my right hand, my right hand first, and then my left. And I've got to wash my right hand three times, and then my left three times. And then I need to wash my right wrist three times, and my left wrist three times. Oy vey's air, oh woe is me. I'm in the Judean desert. Where am I going to get all that water? And where am I going to get that time? And don't even get me talking about cooking kosher in the desert. And forget about a mikvah. Oh, you know what a mekvah is. It's a ceremonial bath. Depending on which rabbi you serve under, you might need to go in the ceremonial bath, a mikvah, once a month or once a week, or once every other day, or two times a day, or three times a day. Oy vey! What nonsense. And because I'm not ceremonially clean, like all of you, I'm not allowed in the local synagogue, the local church. And don't even get me started about trying to get into the temple of God. <laughs> not as a shepherd, a roe. But that was then. That was before the night. That was before the night when it happened. As you probably know, during the day, we shepherds go out on our own. <laughs> we go out on our own, and each one of us are looking for wadis. We're looking for seasonal waters for the flock. We're looking for the valleys where we can take our animals, and where our animals will get the finest of the grass. We each go in our own paths. But at night, we come together. And when it's time to sleep, one shepherd stays up while the rest of the shepherds count sheep. Ha! <laughs> Did you catch that? Count sheep for shepherds? That's first-rate shepherd humor. You heard it here first, folks. Well, it was my night to watch over the flocks. The stars, they were amazing. 
the other shepherds were sleeping, and I saw the Big Dipper. Not technically a constellation, part of Ursa Minor. And then I saw the Little Dipper. And there was Orion, the great warrior, one of the, the great constellations easily seen in the sky. And there were faded stars, and there were bright stars like Polaris, the north one. And then it There was a blinding light like, like I've never seen before. You should have seen the sheep. They went nuts. And those shepherds counting sheep, they were awake, let me tell you. It was unbelievable. We were terrified. It was an angel. And the angel said, fear not. A little late for that. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Fear not. Yeah, right. We were shaken like toddlers. Oh yeah, I can see the looks on some of you rough and tumbles. You think you would have done better. You're probably thinking to yourself, oh, shepherds, what a pathetic job. Can't even look at one eensy beensy tiny little angel without shaking. <laughs> the problem is ignorance, yours. You don't know what an angel is. You think an angel is something wore on a little lapel. You think an angel is something wore on a necklace. You've seen the artists. They create angels, chubby little cherubs. That's just bad art. That's all that is. Those aren't angels. Angels are warriors. Angels are part of the heavenly host. They're part of the army of God. Angels are the most fearsome warrior far beyond what humanity has ever imagined. Have you ever noticed that when they appear, the first words out of their mouth are fear not? There's a reason for that. I don't mean to be crass, but after all, I'm just a shepherd. After seeing that bad boy in the sky, some of my fellow shepherds needed to change their tunic. I'm just saying. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We'd known forever where Messiah would be born, but we didn't know when. Micah had told us in Micah 5, 1 and 2, But you, O Bethlehem of Epitaph, are by no means least among the tribes of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler or a shepherd of my people Israel, one whose origin is from eternity past. We'd known forever 
that the Messiah would come to Bethlehem, the city of David, the city of Aroe, the city of a shepherd. Don't think for a moment we didn't say that over and over again as you towners, you villagers, you mocked us. We knew the Messiah would come to the city of Aroe, the shepherd. We just never knew when. But now he was here. The king of kings. The lord of lords. He had come. He had come for us. The final thing I noticed from that proclamation. He said, you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The Messiah was not only in a city of shepherds. The proclamation was made to Roe. It was made to shepherds. Well, suddenly that bad boy in the sky, he was joined by an entire host. He was magnificent. He was awe-inspiring. It was terrifying all at the same time. And they began to say an ever-increasing antiphonal response, glory, 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 glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then they were gone. The quietness of the night returned. I remember looking at my fellow shepherds. We couldn't get up and towards Bethlehem fast enough. It was a mile, mile and a half away. We bounded like we were teens. We were running for all we were worth. When we got to the city, we had to be careful. We stayed in the shadows. We stayed in the darkness. You towners, you villagers, the rabbis had taken your side. They had made some rules that made it illegal for a shepherd like me, ceremonially unclean, not only to go to the synagogue, not only to go to the temple, but I wasn't even allowed in your village. And so we had to slink from place to place. We had to be careful. Thankfully, Bethlehem isn't very big. 300, maybe 400 max. Oh, it's true. There was a few more people right now. The Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, he had issued a decree a census. People had come to the city of their birth. He didn't care about counting us. He wanted to tax us. And so there were a few more people, but no extra buildings. We went from house to house, looking for the child, looking for a manger. Do you know what a manger is? It's not made of wood. We live in Israel. It's made by a tecton, a stone carpenter. It's about three feet by three feet by two and a half feet. The middle is chiseled out. It holds water or it holds straw for the animals. That's a manger. You don't put a baby in a manger. It shouldn't be hard to find the Messiah. He'll be the only one in a manger, trust me. And we looked and we searched. And we found the stable cave. It had been hewn, it had been cut out of the rock. 
There were a few animals there, a little straw, and there was a manger. A manger with a baby swaddled in strips of linen, just as the angel proclaimed. I was met at the door by a man who introduced himself as Joseph. He was the adoptive father. There was a woman there as well. Her name was Mary. I later learned that she was a virgin, that the Holy Spirit had come upon her and the power of the Most High had overshadowed her so the child to be born, he was the Messiah. I had to explain why I was there. A roe in Bethlehem in their presence The words spilled from my mouth, and they assaulted my ears. I couldn't believe what I was saying. I sounded like a madman. Certainly, they're going to call for the towners, the villagers, to drive us out. I talked about an angel. I talked about an angelic host. I talked about the baby in a manger being the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the holy one of Israel. It sounded ludicrous. But Joseph just nodded. And Mary had a look on her face of assent. They too, I learned, had been visited by an angel. They too understood that this baby was not a normal baby, That this baby was God's son, God himself, the second person of the Trinity. They told me his name was Yeshua. God saves. Yeshua, you call him Jesus. God saves. And I remembered what the angel said. He said unto you this day, will be born a Savior, God saves, who is Christ the Lord. I worshiped the baby. I never felt closer to God than I did at that moment. Later, I learned why. Matthew, when he wrote his gospel in the first chapter, the 23rd verse, he tells us another name for Yeshua, God saves. He's also called Emmanuel. God with us. I was in the physical presence of God. No wonder I never felt closer to God. He was there physically with me, and I was worshiping him. I wanted to stay all night, wouldn't you? It was magnificent. But I needed to go. More accurately, they needed me to go. Mary had just given birth. She needed rest. And although I'm surmising, from the look on Joseph's face, I think he was the midwife. The boy looked like he was going to pass out. He needed rest. And so after worshiping just a little bit longer, we left. But this time, we didn't go hiding in the shadows. Anyone who would listen, anyone who would hear, we told them 
that the Messiah was here and all marveled. As I think about that night, there's several things that go through my mind. The first is a question. You have it. I have it. It's the question we all have. And the question is this, why a roe? Why a shepherd? Why did the angel come to proclaim the king of glory to a lowly shepherd? Why us? Could it be that God was declaring that the Messiah was not just for the mighty, but for the weak? Not just for the powerful, but the less so? Not just for the headliner, but also the headache, which is a good thing for a few of you. Could it be that he was declaring that the Messiah was for all of us? I remember what Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 1.18. He said, come now, let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it be made white as snow. Though it be crimson, it be made like wool. He came for all of us. In fact, Isaiah 53, 6 says, We like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. That's why Jesus came. That's why Messiah came. That's why God became man. He took our sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That through him we might become the righteousness of God. He came to save sinners. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Then we will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is declared righteous. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I think of what the prophet Isaiah says. In Isaiah 53 verses 3 to 5. He was despised. And rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. That is why Jesus came. He came because we're sheep. He came because we're lost. He came because we're stranded. He came because we need a Savior we need to be rescued. He came for you. And he came for me. Why did he come to a shepherd? To announce to the world that he came for all, not just the mighty, 
but also the meek. Make sure, my friend, that you know Jesus Christ individually, personally, as your Savior. And if you know Christ as Savior, may I give you a small piece of advice? Be like a roe. Be like a shepherd. Oh, the look on your face is priceless. <laughs> but I mean it. Be like a roe. You remember when we worshiped the Christ child and then we left? We no longer were in the shadows. We no longer slid from place to place hiding. We found our voice. We found our purpose. We found our call. And we told anyone who would listen about the Messiah, about the Christ child, be like a roe. Who do you know that needs to know the Christ of Christmas? Who needs you, me, we to come out of the shadows into the light to find our voice, to find our purpose, to proclaim to a world about the Christ child. Be a roe. Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for allowing me, a roe, a shepherd, to come into your local synagogue. Masel tov. Blessings. God's blessings. Shalom. Peace.